Hello and welcome back to Diaries of a Lady Gardener. If you think gardening is cool and would rather take a trip to the garden centre than go out out, you've found the right podcast, but also you're not in the minority. Research from Draper Tools has revealed that over 80% of young people officially think gardening is cool, mainly because of its benefits for mental health and the environment. Draper Tools are proud to be sponsors of the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast, so why not join me in following them on Instagram, at draper underscore tools. In this episode, I chatted with Emily, conservation scientist and co-founder of the not-for-profit business Seedball, which us gardeners all know and love. Designed to help bring wildflower meadows to all sorts of spaces, these seed boards are pretty amazing and bring joy to wherever they are scattered. Not only did we chat about how the business began, but also about conservation, the magic of growing and how there is still so much more to come. So I hope you'll enjoy Hi, Emily. How are you? Hi. Hello. Good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Sweet. So you are the founder, co-founder of an amazing not-for-profit organisation called Seedball. Yeah. Yeah. And um, to get started, I would absolutely love to know where your passion for plants began. Where did your story begin? Um, so... My story began, it's more with a passion for conservation and nature, I think, than plants specifically. Um, so, um, yeah, so forever, in all degrees I've done or all anything, I'm just like crazy about nature, essentially. Um, and so kind of seedball kind of started riven, with one person that was crazy about plants and one person that was crazy about nature. And we kind of came together and we cared so much about conservation and um that yeah that's where it kind of was born from really we wanted to do something that we felt like we, we could have an impact on something um yeah we were we were doing um we were we were studying we were doing phd related con- uh, conservation related phds at um at university and we just got i got so fed up of feeling like um i was publishing papers we were both publishing papers and research articles and things and I felt like the only people reading it was like our mums or something and um we just felt like we weren't doing enough to really have impact um and so yeah we got a bit frustrated um and wanted to do more so that's where it all kind of started from like a massive love for nature and being epically frustrated that we weren't doing enough I absolutely love that story and I think that you hit the nail on the head as well with making like a perfect product that it's so you don't need a lot of skill or knowledge to be able to sow those seed balls and create something beautiful from it. And I think that the whole, your whole social presence and the products themselves, like it really does give people that education, um, at least at the beginning. And then people can kind of, once they've sparked their passion, they have that opportunity to go and learn more, which I really love. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So like I didn't, so we tried growing wildflowers like in our flat um, in Aberdeen and in our garden um and i have no knowledge of growing stuff like i've i'm pretty i have never done anything gardening wise whatsoever um and so we were trying to we were just scattering seeds everywhere and we didn't know what we were doing and 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 we kind of started to read a bit more about wildflowers and we realized that um they can be a little bit tricky to grow um and so we kind of 
came across this problem just out of it just happened to be that we were trying to grow wildflowers and we thought you know what maybe we should the focus of our business should be helping people uh to grow wildflowers and specific, specifically people that don't necessarily know that you know they're not gardening experts necessarily or um like me i kind of like love to grow this stuff but i don't really know where to start um mm-hmm. i'm not really good fingered um and yeah so so we really wanted something that would appeal to how I get so intimidated going into garden centers. Like if you're not quite sure what you're doing, you go in and you're like, oh, this is a bit scary. Um, and so we wanted something that was just really not intimidating and really user friendly and that it, it would just be um, easy to pick up, easy to use and just, yeah, help encourage people to grow, yeah, to grow wildflowers. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. And I completely agree going into a garden center even as someone who has been gardening for like three years now I'm still massively overwhelmed by the choice and then you've got plants that are shade tolerant plants that like the sun plants that can't survive droughts plants that like to be a bit waterlogged like there is so much to learn but I'm fully on board as well with wildflowers are weirdly difficult to grow like I actually this year have sown them into pots in the greenhouse and green them into seedlings in the greenhouse because I have such a nightmare trying to get them to germinate in the soil. Yeah, I think they can be really picky about certain soils. So the different types of wildflowers can be um, picky about what types of soils they, they want to grow in. Um, and also they can be, um, when you just scatter loose seed, um, it's kind of like you're providing a tasty lunch for kind of birds and insects and mice and things. Um, so I think what happens is, either the soil type is slightly wrong or they can get eaten um, when you just scatter the loose seed. Um, so what we we kind of, we were thinking, okay, how do we kind of help the situation? And we would, um, Anna, who's, who's my co-founder and partner as well, um, she, she was doing a permaculture course at the time and she came across this idea of, um, I think it's, an, it's a really old traditional technique for naturally protecting seeds um, and from predators. And she came across the seed ball concepts uh, on a permaculture course. Um, and the idea is, is that you, um, by wrapping the seeds in clay, I think it's called pellet, they, they call them um, it's called seed pellets in, in a number of um, places. Um, you, you're stopping um, insects and, and birds from being able to get at the seeds until they've had a chance to grow. And I think it work, it's worked really well in areas where um, there's a lot of desert. So uh, farmers in desert areas, they're never quite sure when to scatter the seed because you don't want to do it too early because if you do it too early, things are going to come and eat up all the seeds before the rains arrive. So they use the seed ball concept quite a lot in these areas where you can scatter the seed in the seed ball form and the seeds will be protected until the rains arrive. So in kind of reading about this and watching videos and and all sorts, we thought, oh, maybe we could use the same idea for wildflower seeds. Um, And in that way, people can just scatter them onto their gardens and um yeah until they're ready to germinate they're they're less likely to be eaten um there's still the tricky situation with soil type and the fact that they can be a bit picky about particular soil types but we tried to when we initially started seedball we launched only with mixes of different types of wildflowers so we thought well if we try a combination of different types of species in the same ball um then hopefully and they all like slightly they will tolerant to slightly different soil types and hopefully 
wherever you throw them, there's going to be something in the ball that would be well suited to that type, a specific area where they're being scattered. Um, so that was the idea of kind of the seed ball mixes was to, to, to basically maximize the chance of something working wherever you happen to scatter it. It's not, it's not absolutely foolproof and it's still, you know, you can still scatter it in places where, um, yeah, they don't necessarily fancy it. But the idea is, is that um, it, it, it will still maximize the chance of something growing um, that would naturally be okay for growing in that, that soil type. Oh, that makes, I'm not sure that makes a lot of sense, but... Um, no, definitely. I think as well, once you've seen what, what comes up, you can kind of like learn to see what grows well in your in your areas. Um, it's one of the things I've learned a lot about in the last few months is kind of that, like we obviously introduce a lot of um, species that aren't, it's not species, plants that aren't native to our sort of like growing environments. And actually it's not necessarily the most beneficial for the sort of like local wildlife because it's not giving them what they need. So actually growing things that actually grow in your area naturally and are kind of locally sourced is actually yeah. of a massive benefit. Yeah, yeah, massively. And I think it's amazing how many plants, when you go to a garden centre and you're buying plants and it, how much is that is not necessarily native to our country um, and not... So we, we tried to... Um, yeah, every, all of the seeds that we include in our mi mixtures are all uh, native to the UK and it's all sourced in the UK. Um, and yeah, and when we get, sometimes people come to us and they're like, I've got 20 acres. I want your seed box for 20 acres. And we're like, <laughs> okay, let's let's try a small set, like a small little area first and just see what species, you know, what, what's going to work best for that kind of bit of area. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it just, we just wanted to, um, it, it's so important. It's just so important that, that, these types of flowers are being grown in gardens. It, it didn't have to be just specifically what we sell. It's just anything with that kind of, you know, the bumblebee, the bumblebee, the RHS plants for pollinators. Yeah, like It's so important that people, these are the types of plants that have to be filled in our gardens. And I think that we just felt that um, we wanted, I think also with the seed pool, the, the, we wanted to inspire people. Like we wanted to create, so it wasn't just about helping people grow wildflowers, we actually wanted to kind of like change people's behavior and how they perceive their gardens and their outdoor spaces. So kind of like CEPA is the, almost the vehicle for allowing us to do that. So it's like, if you think of it, like we see ourselves not as selling, we, we're not just selling a product. We feel, we see ourselves like an NGO, a conservation organization. Like in our heads, we're all about just trying to you know, raise awareness about, about these types of plants and also um, the wider kind of, uh, wildlife gardening as well but also we want to make more people when they look at their outdoor spaces we want to help people think about wildlife instead of um what's more practical or what's the most beautiful but actually what's the most beneficial for wildlife in their garden so I think we really see what we're trying to do we think about it in terms of impacting people's behavior so even if it's not our products that they go and and, and, and buy or, or what you know it, it's about trying to we want to be part of like a revolution in gardening where, you know, people think about gardens differently. Yeah, I think I said the same thing three different ways, but yeah. So yeah, I definitely love it. I definitely think you are achieving that as well because yeah. like even me alone, and I'm obviously just one person, I've learned so much from even just seeing your products and that I didn't, other than bee mixes, obviously everyone knows that you can grow flowers to help the bees. Well, I say everyone. 
a lot more people than traditionally now know that you can grow plants to sort of help the bees but I was fascinated by the fact that you can grow plants that help bats and butterflies and is there a hedgehog mix as well like I never would have considered that actually those kind of plants are beneficial for other wildlife as well even the ones you don't typically see in the garden like in the daytime yeah yeah Yeah, massively when we started it was very much about bees and butterflies um, and that was the main kind of focus of what we were talking about and now I think it's definitely moving towards a more ecosystem it's like ecosystem gardening and people are really responding so well to it like in the hedgehog um yeah hedgehog mixes is done really 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 well but it's nice because we've been working with different so with the hedgehog mix we've worked with the PTES um uh which is the People's Trust for Endangered Species um and so there's a donation from that tin that go when so when people buy it there's a donation to to their their um their cause as well so we we, we try and make sure that in what we're doing there's we're kind of supporting other organizations as well so our, our artist meadow tin that that there's a donation to the wildlife trusts with that one as well. Um, and we, we, so it's so much fun. So, so we've kind of developed the brand and the products, but we've also had to develop the manufacturing of the seed balls themselves as well, which has been so much fun. Um, and at first we did it all by hand. And no I remember way. Yeah, everything was done by hand and everyone that came to our house to visit as friends, just coming to say hi, we'd be like, <laughs> right, we really need your help. And we'd get everyone that came, they were either having to label tins or help us actually roll seed balls. And I remember one, one time we had a friend and we made this like massive vat of seed balls. Um, and it's like a cake mixture. We just throw all the ingredients in and we swirl it all up and then she just roll it. And I remember getting to the end and realizing we'd forgotten the chili powder because we, we add chili powder for some natural deterrent. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but we have to throw it all back in and start again and add this chili powder. And she didn't visit often after that. <laughs> it, was just, it was just such a blast. The whole thing is just, it's just an absolute pleasure. I think we get so much lovely feedback as well from people because it's of what it is and what it's trying to do, that it's like this wonderful positive loop of, of continuing loveliness. It's brilliant. Definitely, because it's such a lovely product and the seed tins are so useful as well. I actually use them to save my own seeds. Um, So like I've just saved um, like Cosmos seeds and what was the other one? Um, Straw, not straw flowers. God, I can't think of the name at all. The blue puffy ones. (laughs) Corn flowers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I've just saved, saved loads of seeds in my tins. But it's so rewarding from like when you see them germinate to the plants in bloom. And then like this is the first year I've really gotten into growing flowers on the allotment. Um, And my wildflower patch is finally, finally establishing. Um, It's It's not it's not necessarily the speediest way of uh, uh, gardening, that's for sure. No. Um, Have other other people in the allotment caught on to what you're doing? And then and then have you seen that there are more and more people growing, growing wildflowers on their allotments? Yeah, I actually, I was sort of a bit more inspired by someone else on the allotment. Um, We got given some seeds by a local organisation, which I can't think of the name of, but they gave us some wildflower seeds and little plug plants and things to get people started. Um, And I think I'd sown my seed balls, some of their seeds and like a lit for Christmas. I think every gardener gets at least one tin of seed balls every Christmas. (laughs) Um, And so like you kind of like I kind of tried out which patches would work best and I finally found a patch that is going to work well um and I do think a lot of other people are starting to sort of like 
catch on to it now and just it's like moving away from that really manicured like everything must be 100% weed free like everything should be perfectly pristine and like purely for cut flowers so I do have a cut flower patch and a lot of the flowers are for cut flowers but it's nice to know that like a lot of them are actually just there more for the wildlife and because they look beautiful and like the cosmos and a lot of people are like really into deadheading I'm not really into deadheading because I'm a bit of a lazy gardener um but I imagine it's beneficial for them and it's kind of letting nature do its own thing so um it's been it has been really rewarding and in the last year since I've started growing flowers I cannot believe like how much more wildlife and like birds butterflies bees like I, I don't know if I just never noticed it before but I definitely feel like there's so much now that you couldn't not notice it and it just it gives me such a satisfaction to see like a little bee sleeping on a flower or like buzzing around because they make me so happy as well and then you're like oh that little bee's excited to see that flower yeah that's the nice thing about it though because you see the whole progression from planting something or scattering something and then you see it start to grow and then it goes all the way through to the fact that you actually see this wildlife so it's the satisfaction of it it's just it's just it's incredible it's uh yeah it's it's quite something um it really is and I love that this year as well I've seen especially in the local area a lot of um like businesses embracing kind of like a wildflower area or a wildflower patch so like both the local golf courses all around their car parks they've sown an absolutely stunning wildflower mix and like in peak summer it just looks amazing and like I don't actually play golf, but I parked in the golf club car park a couple of times to see other people or go for coffee there. And the, it just looks amazing. And you can see like the, the effect it's having on the diversity. Um, at work, I've actually just, it was maybe just two weeks ago, we've sowed a fairly large wildflower patch um, in the bottom of our car park where it was a bit of an abandoned sort of square of land where the grass wasn't really growing particularly well so I'm told that that's quite good because it's it's not the best soil and the grass competition is actually a lot less because it's kind of poor soil anyway um so we've just sown that and we've planted lots of um daffodil bulbs and crocus bulbs I think and then we've got a work garden which we started earlier this year like in the top part which is like a much bigger area which was full of like cornflowers and cosmos this year because they're the only two flowers I can remember <laughs> uh, and nigella as well um so like even being able to like include it in a workspace where that area was just c- kind of like blank land which was just growing kind of rubbish grass like I think next year obviously it takes a while to establish but I'm hoping next year you'll start to see the effects and we actually had quite a lot of um like really rubbly like thin borders around the car park that the gardeners had sown wildflowers on and um we went like bee spotting one day and the lacy phacelia and something else I'm trying to show off of the names I know now because I can only say the other two the <laughs> lacy phacelia and some kind of yellow daisy type thing like yeah. there were hundreds of bees and butterflies and like amazing wildlife there and it's just in the bottom of like a little car well quite a big car park but not huge it's like these people are seeing these spaces and using it in a different way now and they're thinking about it and there's so many examples I think of this of yeah just and it's like uh, road verges you see loads more road verges with with flowers 
I think the councils are, um, yeah, do, doing a lot more to kind of help that as well. And I think it's a cheaper way of managing as well. Mm. So it's definitely, you know, compared to having to kind of keep something manicured and weeded and, and I think once you get the wildflowers established, it's, it's a much, much more, um, yeah, it's, be- it's better for a number of, yeah, it's definitely a cheaper way of managing, managing these strips of land. Definitely. And it really, really starts a conversation as well, because you, you look at it and you kind of, you think, oh, that looks great. And then you say to someone else, oh, did you see that verge over there? It looks really great with all those wildflowers. And then like the amount of people I know that have sort of implemented wildflower patches into their gardens or even just like in pots in their like balconies and stuff like that. Like there's so many ways that you can incorporate it into like even the smallest space. So yeah. I do think it's great. I was going to ask, actually, like, is there specific care instructions for wildflowers once they're sort of established? Like, should you cut them back at any time of year or? Let them yeah, so, the, so in the in the autumn, so once the flowers have finished flowering, <laughs> so technical sounding. Um, so, yeah, so it's good to um, kind of take the seeds, collect the, collect the seeds from the heads of the flowers. Um, so you can either... Um, so yes, yeah, so if you cut the flowers back, you kind of give them all good shakes so or the seeds kind of drop out, or you can actually collect the seeds yourself. From it. It's just so addictive. Once you start collecting seeds from the seed pods, it's just so satisfying. It's the most, uh, it's just, I absolutely love it. And, and my kids now, because we've shown them how to do it and we've shown them, you know, we've kind of shown them. Yeah. So they walk around and they'll go to the, the edges of people's gardens. I think we were at the London Zoo the other week and there are all these red campion that are all finished flowering and they were collecting all the seeds and kind of people walking up and said, what are you doing but they were actually kind of sh- and then they started showing other people how you do it um so yeah so you can collect the seeds so you can collect the seeds and then you throw the scatter them somewhere else or keep them and, and throw them somewhere else or just throw it back into that same area um you you don't necessarily you can just let it all go you can let it all kind of die back naturally um and we generally suggest that you don't cut it back too much and remove it all because actually um wildlife can live within all of that it's actually quite nice it's amazing you know for spiders and and all sorts of bugs and insects and things um so the main thing yeah the main care instructions is essentially um at the beginning it's great to give them some extra watering just because because the seeds are in these clay balls the clay balls can be a bit tough to kind of break down sometimes if you're relying just on the rain and if there's not a lot of rain around, that can take quite a while for the seedlings <laughs> to get going. I think at the beginning, really helping them out with watering them just until you see things get sprouting and getting established is great. And then, yeah, and then when they finish flowering, uh, collect the seeds or just help all the seeds kind of like fall to the ground. Um, some people don't like to leave it all um, looking, uh, you know, after it's all kind of finished flowering. They think it all looks a bit ugly, perhaps leaving all these leaves, every, uh, stalks everywhere. Oh, my English is so bad. Um, um, So you can cut it back. So we suggest about, I think it's to about 15 centimetres of growth. Um, And then, but then we suggest if you have cut it all back, then pop all those cuttings in a nice corner in the garden somewhere or somewhere that you're putting it so that, um, yeah, wildlife can still use it as as somewhere fun to hang out. And then the the thing that we struggle to kind of really get out there, uh, autumn's actually the very best time to scatter wildflower seeds. Because a lot of the seeds, um, the cold in winter helps trigger germination and strong growth in the spring. And I think a lot of people think of scattering and starting to grow should be in the spring. Um, 
So we actually, most people, we have a lot of people that I think buy the seed balls and then they, they'll say, oh, they will keep till the spring, won't they? And we're like, no, 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 go for it. Scatter now, scatter now. So every autumn we try and do this, this kind of like big shout out to say it really is the best time because that's also when the seeds naturally are being dispersed anyway in nature. Uh, so that's when the, the flowers are finished flowering. And um, yeah, and it's okay to scatter in spring. It's just that um, it can take a bit longer for, for them to get going. Um, and so, yeah, so we do try and shout out about autumn. And, and if you are scattering them in the spring, we suggest we'll perhaps pop them in the fridge for a few weeks before you scatter them. Because uh-huh. then you're giving them, like, uh, you're giving them a, um, yeah, you're giving them a bit of a, um, yeah, cold treatment, as it were. Um, uh, yeah, so that's quite fun. Uh, Anna says freezer, but I think freezer sounds a bit hardcore. So maybe just fridge. <laughs> fridge is okay. But yeah, and the idea is, is that you don't really have to do don't really have to do very much at all um sometimes i think if people scattered the seed balls and they seem to just disappeared after a few weeks um it generally takes about four to six weeks sometimes to see growth from the balls sometimes it's a lot faster um but i think if, if you've seen the, the balls disappear sometimes it could be a pesky little squirrel that's pinched off with them um so it's good when you scatter them just to kind of keep an eye on their progression and how they're doing i think I think it's like most plants, it's like at that beginning stage, it's kind of like giving them a little bit of TRC to help them get going. Um, but essentially, we just, you, you, the idea is you just scatter them and let them be, you know, go for it. Uh, not onto grass, because grass is too dominant for mm-hmm. them to get established. Um, but yeah, and I love, I love plant pot garden. Like, I love the idea that you don't have to have this massive amount of garden space. You can just have a balcony and some planters or a window box and some planters you don't need loads of space to grow wildflowers. Um, and I think that's something we've really tried to promote is, um, you know, urban gardening, uh, wherever you are, it just doesn't matter. You can, you can grow flowers for wildlife wherever you are. Um, and we, I'd love to know, like, I'd love to see like data like 10 years ago, what the abundance of wildflowers were in the UK versus now. And just, I'd just be interested to see, you know, if the numbers I, i'm sure the numbers are increasing if people growing these types of plants um we actually had a problem this year in the sense that our seed supply we struggled with the supply of seed all the way through the year ah. so the demand of the demand of there was a couple of reasons so um in 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 lockdown so when we you know do you remember the very first lockdown we had um it was really really hot it was springtime but we had this really hot hot first lockdown it was tropical yeah so that was really unusually warm spring and it actually led to the wildflowers not doing so well that year and as a result the harvest for the seed suppliers that we use and others in general in the UK the harvest was really poor that year because of the unusually warm spring um and but at the same time everyone's knowing a lot more about wildflowers and wanting to grow a lot more wildflowers so there was less supply, but the demand was a lot higher. So naturally, by I think it was by March last year, I emailed our seed supplier. I was like, oh, can I have another order? And they're like, yeah, there isn't any more until the autumn. And we're like, you are. Um, and, and, the, and as a result, there was a lot, because there wasn't so much left, the prices all went up. So it was a really interesting experience for us in a sense that um, – just seeing what different weather patterns can do as well with supply of seeds and climate change is obviously having an impact on, on supply of wildflowers. But also it's really nice to know the demand is so high that they were running out. There's that many people now growing 
And all of the suppliers we spoke to are all working out how they can, you know, increase the number of farmers that are growing flowers for them and things. So it's there's a definite massive shift in people, yeah, growing wildflowers. I'm I'm on a right, I'm rambling maybe, but um no, it's I amazing. absolutely love it. And that is <laughs> yeah. amazing to hear that they ran out of seed. Like I know that that's not like great news, but yeah. I 100% would love to volunteer to be a flower farmer for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So we, so we actually, um, so our ultimate goal of our company is actually to buy our own land. Amazing. Um, have our own wildflower. Yeah, our own wildflower plots. Um, and when we first started, we were like yeah you know give us a few years and we're gonna have like 50 acres of land and all this kind of stuff and and actually um because we grew the business it's all organically done so we just had to really put everything that you do into the business and building like a manufacturing company and a and and just what we yeah it's it's not quite um we're nearly there so we've started looking at 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 what we could do but it's frustrating because you can see that the more when you're buying smaller plots of land, the price per acre is obviously a lot higher than if you were buying it on a much larger scale. So it's a bit frustrating. And it's almost worth perhaps focusing on collaborating with people that's already got land and perhaps we use our profits to just fund the seed boards that they could then use in that area. So we're perhaps rethinking a little bit how we how we use our, um, yeah, how we, how we do that final part of the company, mm-hmm. which was always about using profits to, yeah, by land um but yeah maybe we could increase we could maximize that a little bit differently if we think outside the box i think a little bit um but yeah Definitely. but that's the ultimate goal what an amazing goal as well like i genuinely feel yeah. super excited that would look incredible as well like the the photos and the like interest you get in it i do think the last sort of two years has been a proper like gardening revolution where like I guess that people were into it years and years and years ago, but no one has been as into gardening as people are over the last two years. And especially I love that it's getting the younger generations in. Like I'm 26 and when I got my allotment, everyone laughed at me and were asking me when I was going to retire. And now <laughs> everyone thinks it's quite cool because it's become a bit yeah. trendy and houseplants yeah, are a thing and like growing yeah. your own cut flowers is exciting and like artisan veg and growing stuff that you can't buy in the shops has all become a thing like I do think it's a really exciting time to be kind of like we said the industry is such a formal word but be within the industry like there are a lot of opportunities cropping up and the land situation is less than ideal I would say as someone who has also been looking for some land it is just a nightmare bearing in mind I live in the middle of the countryside there is no land oh cool I was on a I was on an airplane the other day. We went on um, yeah, we were away, we went on holiday um, for the first time in forever. Um, and it's so scary, you know, looking down at the landscape, and it's just it's just monoculture field after field after field. And and where we were in London, there's not even that many hedgerows. I think I think hedgerow management is actually much better in in Devon than than it is mm. this way. Um, and it's just scary how how our landscape is just there's it's just farmland just everywhere and there's no and I just love I just wish we were in a position and we could just like become one of the main landowners in the country where well, it's never going to happen but you know just 
just just basically just re re redraw. You just wish you could redraw it all a little bit and just like and that's what we that's what we really want to yeah we really want to do. But it's I just ah it's just such a small thing. Maybe you can lease the land or there's another way of being able to maximise what you can do to get more. I don't know, but um, there definitely always, will be a way. Yeah, yeah. I, I always like it when you see these programmes, you know, where people get like an old farm, an old massive farm, and they kind of do all that real rewilding kind of like projects and things. I think that looks amazing. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, I think there's a massive shift and it's incredible. And it's like inspiring that um, things do change. And I love it that it's a proper consumer shift as well. So we're all, we're all, it's like you say, it's becoming cool. It's becoming accessible. Like it does any, there's no, like our market of who we're selling the seedballs to is there's no limitation on it you know, from children all the way up to, um, yeah, any age. Um, and that's what I think is really exciting. Cause before it was a bit weird what we were doing and you were always kind of like, they're like, Oh yeah, you're doing that. Oh yeah. Whatever. You know, there was no, there was no, yeah. We, yeah. People just didn't think you'd, we'd get anywhere we had a lot of you know you you always get that when you start I guess a new mm. business that people think it's not going to go very far um and it will never catch on or why would people do that and now you can see that um yeah and now there's actually a, quite a few different companies as well I've seen I don't know if you go on Amazon so there's actually loads of people doing this kind of stuff which I think is really great because I think it shows there's a massive market for people growing wildflowers and these types of products and yeah I love it I love it that we've been a part of that um it's Looming marvellous. <laughs> it definitely is. And do you know what? I feel like this podcast is actually at the perfect time as well. Like we're in the midst of COP26 and it's the first time that I've seen people who would never have ever even like had a clue about climate change or conservation or anything. Sort of like making little comments on what's going on. And I think today was about the deforestation bill um Mm. there are big things happening and I think people who would just have never paid attention to it before are suddenly kind of like oh this is actually quite scary um I saw that you guys went to Chelsea Flower Show this year as well and I loved that they had such a big focus on the COP26 garden and the kind of potential futures we might be looking at um I just found it absolutely fascinating and it's kind of like putting things into perspective a little bit more because we talk about climate change and people are like, I think they think of it as like a far off spaceship in the future that won't necessarily affect mm. us. But actually the season, like the last two years of weather is definitely affecting us now. Yeah. 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 Massively. So and uh, when I was doing my PhD at Aberdeen, it was looking at climate change impacts on distribution of whale and dolphin species in the UK. So that's what I was doing before we started this. And um, yeah, we really like looking at uh, sea temperature data and, and mapping where how distributions would change or climate change. And you could see there that it was having a massive impact. And and that's one of the reasons why I got so frustrated and wanted to leave university was I felt like no one was listening. Even when you write these articles, it, there was just no, um, I just felt so frustrated that I, I was trying to shout, look at all this stuff that's happening. and and it just, I just felt, yeah, frustrated, but um, it's massive and it's so real and it's so, um, it's impacting us already. And it, it just is, um, yeah, it's a bit, 
a bit scary, really. But I love it that they're kind of, yeah, talking about it perhaps in a more serious way. I just hope we see we see massive changes. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I have, it, it's difficult. I've got really such strong opinions on it. But um, yeah, it's it's. I think that. I think that we all, yeah, we can all do something, I think, that, that can help with the situation. And I love it that people are more conscious of environmental issues as well um, at the moment. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> it all, fingers crossed that it all, uh, yeah, help, help, it will help. I'm, I'm not that, you can cut that, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, no, it's good, yeah. you can tell you're super passionate about it. I absolutely love uh, it. And I do think power to the people vibes, <laughs> like there is so much that one person can do. And I know that it's so easy to get into that mindset of like, oh, but I'm just one person. Like my one balcony planter isn't going to change the world. And no, your one planter might not change the world, but it's like that domino effect of like, you tell one person that you've done that thing and they do it too. Yeah. And then they tell one person that they, they've done it or they see it. And they're like, those little tiny nuggets of inspiration that come from here, there and everywhere. It's kind of how... It's how we've got to this point here where people are growing wildflowers here, there and everywhere and like wildflower rooftops and integrating it where yeah, they can yeah. rather than just being like, yeah. oh, I don't have 10 acres to grow a wildflower patch so I won't bother. Exactly. And it's like that connection with nature, it helps that domino effect. It's like, it's like that, you, it's so magical almost that it you, you can't help but start loving other things or being more appreciative of the wider of you know like you were saying about you know stopping to watch the bees that you not noticed before and you know it's it's it, it does have a knock-on effect and I think especially for younger people um for children and you know if you're growing up growing up with with more of this around them as well and them having access to more of this type like we've been working with quite a lot of schools so when we do the manufacturing of the seed balls we get quite a lot of funny shaped balls that are not neat enough to put in a nice beautiful round tin um and so we put them all to one side and we, 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 any school or community group will give the seeds for free. You just have to pay the postage. So we just send, uh, we worked out, we do about 300,000 seed balls to schools each year for free. Oh, wow. um, and um, yeah, so, and I think that having wildflower patches in schools as well, you know, and like children, you know, having that around them in the school is again, another thing I think that really helps um, that connection with nature and then, all the other things I think follow on as well. It's part of the big picture of, um, yeah, understanding our environment around us. Um, but it's just, it was scary this year with, with kind of thinking about climate change and our supply of wildflower seeds. Um, and yeah, it makes me very tempted because my background is climate change. It makes me very tempted. I was like, oh, we should go on Twitter and we're going to say this, this, this and this. And I'm going to write a blog and I'm going to say this, this, this and this. And then the guys are like, I am, I think. I think that we should just talk about what, let's just talk about wildflowers. And it's actually quite interesting as you, as you, as your brand becomes bigger and there's more audience listening to what you're saying. Sometimes it's really tempting to say, you know, to put opinions about things that, and it's really hard to know the line where actually, because it's not necessarily directly about wildflowers themselves, even though it's about nature and conservation itself, you've got to be really careful not to overstep the, the line of, um, talking about things that are not directly related to your brand. Uh, well, climate change is related, but in terms of having really, really strong opinions about things. And then yeah. Yeah, I get told, 
it's a good job I'm not in control of our social media because I think I'd be way too like I'd be way too yeah we should do this and that but um I would actually love to hear it oh I just it's just it just is it's just difficult but I think that yeah so yeah there comes a point I think we have to just I think we have to I think for us as people as a brand I think we just have to keep um inspiring through hope and positive story you know and 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 encouraging what we're doing and keep doing it and just keep doing it better and better and better I'd hate to kind of like um feel like people thought we were using a platform to then change the kind of tone of conversation to something that was perhaps not quite right even though there's so many issues out there (laughs) you're like oh look we've got all these followers let's talk about I don't know um I'm trying to think of a random example I, I, you know it's like really tempting sometimes but yeah it's it's tricky but it's good um but I think hope and and positivity and love of flowers and love of bees and this whole kind of sometimes I feel like we're in this whirlwind of of just beautiful happy and people reactions the the tweets that people send us of you know how how much it's meant to them or or we'll get people writing because when you order with us, you can write a little notes. We write these little notes. And during COVID in lockdown, the notes that people were writing to each other, it was so beautiful. And my mum, my mum was living with us at the time and we couldn't work. We just had to like take it in terms to work at our unit. Um, so I'd bring my mum to work with me every day because we'd have like so many orders because everyone was ordering because the shops were shut. And she was rushing to do all these notes and stuff. And I wouldn't let her do any of the notes um, during that time because people used, gave such love and attention and they were saying just beautiful things or someone had lost somebody and it was just all so sad and beautiful. And I was like, I'm sorry, mum, you're not allowed to write. They need writing with proper care at what it is that people are writing. And she she got really hacked off with me because she thought, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, um, family politics and all that. But um it's beautiful you know it's just I love what we do I yeah. absolutely love it. the gift is like I said it's such an amazing gift as well I love that you do wedding favors as well like what a lovely thing to send people away from your wedding with like grow, yeah. grow hope here you go yeah we, we did it we actually did it for our we actually made seed bombs for our wedding before we started seed ball um, no way uh yes and we we uh I, don't, I think we just made clay love hearts and squashed all the seeds in but that was our first iteration of seed balls at our wedding but yeah it's lovely but not many people yeah not many people I don't think yeah um in terms of weddings we've not really supplied that many wedding people. I don't think people know about know about it as a wedding option but um well anyone who's planning a wedding <laughs> this one's yeah. for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah it's good fun and I really want to get into um I really want to get into um like supplying farmers or no uh, councils you know the, sh- the strips of land that we were talking about yeah I really want to try you know kind of like get contacts with councils on you know it's kind of like a I'd love to see us doing seedball on like a different scale in terms of like being used more commercially or by like councils and things because at the moment we kind of We've done really well offering it as a gift product, but I'd love it to be like a more kind of um, mainstream, hardcore gardening product that kind of sits alongside the intimidating kind of seeds a bit more, maybe. Um, But yeah, it's a tricky industry. Um, Who, 
we went to their trade show, uh, which is a, a show where shop buyers come to buy. So it's one for the garden industry. Um, this is just in September. And uh, so it's an industry event for the gardening industry. And they were giving away plastic mints. So like mints and little plastic casing. And the plastic casing had the branding of the name of the trade show that was on the. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is like the year of like, like, of all the, you know. Have we learned nothing? (laughs) Yeah, I was so, I was just ranting at them so much. And um, we've got a PR company we work with and I kind of like did this display. I collected as many of them as I could. And I almost got told off a few times because I like doing things that probably too too radical and so I was collecting as many of these plastic sweet things as I could and I laid them all out in a nice design and and took photos and then like photoshopped kind of lots of plastic in the sea and stuff and and I emailed it to our PR people I was like please can you shout about how terrible this was and they're like yeah I don't think you should go head to head with you know it doesn't perhaps go a bit easy you know it's probably not the best thing to kind of like and I get so frustrated by all of this stuff that you know within the gardening industry it's still it still it worries me that it worries me a little bit that it's still it's like greenwashing I think yes that you know it it it's it I think the consumers are ready to not be greenwashed and I think some of the industries maybe the gardening industry from a from 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 the side that we see is perhaps still a little old-fashioned sometimes um and yeah, it worries me that they're a bit too slow really to get on. And I'm sure they could offer a lot more in the garden centers and they could do a lot more. So we know that peat is really bad. Um, and we know that peat compost is gonna be banned. And yet at this place, there are still stands selling peat-based compost. I'm like, why would be, why keep buying it when we know it's not great? And um, why keep offering it to your consume- customers when it's gonna get banned in a few years anyway? Um, so it's things like that I get gets under my skin so it's really important don't don't use peat-based compost um because it's really important butterfly habitats and wildlife habitats and things and it takes like millions of years for it to form um but actually peat compost is probably not great for wildflowers either it's a bit too rich so mm-hmm. in general peat compost is better for wildflowers but um yeah i was just really i was upset just that um we're part of this we're part of this voice and and that the garden centers i felt like weren't some of them are, but I think some of the, yeah, some of them definitely, there's like a, a lack of understanding that I think most consumers are probably way ahead of where they are with how they feel about, um, yeah, more eco-friendly products. I'm so but, glad that you've touched on this because I actually had like a bit of a, like a revelation um, mm. last week. We were on a beach clean with our, um, we've got this organisation called Plastic Free North Devon and they do so many brilliant things and they've got um, bodyboards banned on like three of our key like beaches in North Devon and they've done so many brilliant things and so we did like a work charity day with them and we learned so much about plastic and like beaches and sea life and it was that real like connecting with nature to really understand what why it's such a problem that all this plastic is here. And I came away from it with like equal measures of absolutely horrified about what we've done, but then like filled with hope that there's loads that we can do and kind of like spreading the word and things like that. But on my drive mm. home, I went to the allotment um, to pick up my flower press and I had this sudden <laughs> like, we never talk about 
the fact that actually the gardening industry currently is very focused towards consumerism and because we're growing yeah. plants and we're growing flowers I think we just forget that low like everything we buy comes in plastic peat-free mm-hmm. compost is actually really hard to get hold of if you go to the garden center there's like 12 types of compost that have peat in that are all like fairly cheap and then you have one option that's peat free and it's twice the price and then all of it comes in a big plastic bag and to fill the the allotment with all the compost I need that's a lot of plastic bags and you just kind of you get into a bit of a cycle and then I was like looking around at everything that I've like bought over the past few years and I was like it has never properly occurred to me like peat free compost I'm fully on board with it and that's one of the ones that I have caught on to but there's so much other stuff that I was like it is like a very consumerist industry of like yeah we're growing all these amazing plants but we're just buying and buying and buying and buying and buying yeah massively. and what's really scary is like inside the industry and this shocked me so we made seed ball we went along to a show it took us a few years to get to the size where we could go along to one of these shows to present our products and you go and everyone's like great and then you go next year and they're like well what's new and we're like what do you mean what's new we've got this thing and it's great and it's still the same from last year and and it's going really well and and it's so scary that when you meet the buyers each year they every time we go to a show we have to have something new because people want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and so we have to go through this process of product development and always finding the next the next thing to offer people um, because of the, the, that's the way the, the industry works is they're trying to just feed people the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And it's really scary. It's really scary. And some of the gifts, some of the gift um, trade shows that we go to that's more general gifting rather than specifically just the garden industry, there is so much rubbish being sold. like there's just so much it's just not useful and just plastic and just and you can see there's a big shift towards more eco-friendly things but that's almost like putting an eco-friendly section and it's part of the sales process to people because people like eco-friendly things so it's still kind of just there's no real drive within the industry because it's kind of seen as the trend maybe that people like eco-friendly things and mm. it's really um yeah so i it upsets me a bit kind of feeling like we're forced to keep developing products and developing new things. And like for this Christmas, we're doing it now. We're like, Oh, what, what new product combinations or what new things can we put on the websites when they come there, they see something new. And it's just the way that we all kind of work in terms of being consumers. Um, yeah. And it's a bit, it's scary being part of that industry. And sometimes I wander around these places and I think, is this really what we were wanting to do? Be part of this? Because essentially, if we all buy less things, that would actually have a really big impact. And here I am trying to encourage people to buy our products, but don't buy other people's, but keep buying ours. <laughs> and it's just really, it's really scary. It's, it's terrifying. Um, yeah. So, but we, we've tried to move towards more card-based. So the tins that we use, they're actually quite, they're, they're, they're quite eco-friendly in the sense that when you recycle tin, you don't lose any of the material. So it's like fully recyclable. Whereas when you recycle card and paper, you you always need to, you lose, you, you can't recycle all of it. Some of it gets lost because um, it's just got so yucky or whatever, mm. if there's a phrase there other than yucky. <laughs> um, 
and um, and and for the tin, it's great because they use like solar panels on their factory roofs. So our tins are actually made with solar power, um, and it's from Welsh mine tin that is um, um, manufactured in London. So it's all fully UK based. But we're aware that that. Um, and it's really hard arguing about what's more eco-friendly using, you know, paper or tin, um, because I think the tin actually recycling the tin uses quite a lot of energy itself as well. Mm-hmm. But we have tried to move more to also in producing more products. We're trying to move more towards card-based products because it's perceived sustainability as much better, um, even though there are arguments to inform actually which is the better better options. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's really challenging. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. We're making these tins, but the tin comes from the ground somewhere. So surely then, therefore, we're sending out these wildflowers and tin that's been taken from the ground. And is that how do people in Wales feel about this tin that's being taken from? The, I don't know. If you start thinking about everything, and in the end, maybe we should just all just. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it is uh, a bit of a minefield. Yeah. I do think some in these moments you have to sort of like take a step back and look at all of the sort of like good that you have actually done and that you are doing Mm -hmm. and like it is all a process as well like it we're not living in an economy that is set up for you to just wake up tomorrow and be like oh do you know what I'm gonna suddenly (laughs) live a more environmentally conscious lifestyle let me just click my fingers and everything will be magic Mm -hmm. because you can't just go to the supermarket and shop plastic free for example because nothing is plastic free in the supermarket really hard. Um, it's impossible isn't it it's so really I definitely difficult. I think it'll yeah. be a journey that we're on for the rest of our lives like every every year some new bit of research comes out where it, that makes you think like oh we thought that this was the best but actually that's probably better at this time and so it is all a bit of a process but it's an amazing educational like process I imagine going through kind of like the pros and cons of each thing and kind of working out what the best solution is and yeah and actually um, some of the big some of our biggest people that we work with like the Woodland Trust and Kew Gardens and uh, I think we've done things with Oxfam and Marie Curie they actually now a lot of these bigger organizations they have a really thorough um uh, uh, they really investigate, not investigate you, but you have to demonstrate all these kind of things to them for them to be able to want to supply stuff for us to supply them. So I think there are a lot of companies that are selling products that are actually trying to do it in a really, really, really good way or do it the best way that they can. Mm-hmm. So I've been quite impressed with that actually. That there there are a lot of there are a lot of businesses that are selling products that are really caring about where where the you know where products are coming from and that it's all being done in the right way which is good but yeah I just I wonder how many uh, sometimes I think about how many seed balls maybe we've sold or we've been given away since uh, we started and it's 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 probably somewhere between 15 and 20 million I think wow so it's it's yeah it's it's but it's been 10 years so um yeah it's been quite a long thing so these are the things uh, and like if we've sold that many and then that's helped other people see flowers and and that at the end of the day that's what that's what the whole idea is is just to have as much impact as possible um yeah and raising awareness about about wildflowers but yeah we'll get have there you ever, one day have you ever sat down and done the maths on how many like estimated acres of wildflowers that could have grown 
Um, no, and, and I keep getting told by, yeah, Sarah and Anna keep going, you need to work out these numbers for us. And no, we've not. We wanted to be, yeah, and then we thought it'd be good to see like how many bees that might have helped. But I think the yeah. research on, it, it's tricky because it's like, looking at data on like how many plants a bee will visit in a day and what the distance mm -hmm. is and all very complicated that um I find it quite difficult because our background is our background is science mm. um we're very cautious not to say much about these types of things because I can see holes in the argue I can see yeah. holes everywhere and like, and like yeah because yeah because you might scatter it somewhere but more might grow there and less might grow there. Mm -hmm. And then how do you work that out? And so I've kind of like inhibited myself with these things. I think. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And my brother was saying, well, you should put on your website that it, it, you know, make it really clear that like, would, will germinate better than packet seed in the shop. And they're like, we can't do that. We don't have a scientific, you know, we need to publish a research paper to be able to say these kind of things. It's just like, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun it's all good fun we'll get there hopefully hopefully at the end we'll feel like we've done done all right um but yeah I think it's the schools things as well that I'd love I wish that we had I wish we had like a branch of as a team we're such a small team but I wish we had a branch like one day that we would have somebody whose job is to do like outreach with schools or like conservation organizations to help us kind of like collaborate more with because at the moment, like we can't, I can't, I just can't do any, you know, I can't, um, between school runs and dog walks and I don't know, machines breaking down or whatever, <laughs> it's impossible to do anything. But um, uh, yeah, I, I wish we were like collaborating more with schools and, and, and yeah, so I'd love, I'd love to have someone that could do something like that or conservation organisations or rewilding projects and that we were supplying things or helping out here and there. Um, I really think that like in, in all of this, I think the key is people connecting together and collaborating together instead of us all just doing our own separate things and not talking and being, I think the way forward with all of this is actually like community and networks and uh, which is why social media is so brilliant in so many ways. And yeah, and I think that's really some, I think that, yeah, I think it's all coming together and people working together and it's, it's there's a lot of hope there. Yeah, it's amazing. Definitely. It sounds like a very, very, very exciting future. I'm very excited for yeah. you guys. And I think you've got like the work that you've done in the last 10 years is huge, even if you can't quantify it to exactly how many bees that might have saved. Like your products have sparked joy for what I imagine is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, um, me included. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. It's really cute when, when we're with our kids and we go into a shop and they see that there are seedballs there and they're like, Mummy, Mummy! And they're shade to the shop. And that's my mummy's thing in the oh. shop. Really, really cute. But um, yeah, I love it. I absolutely, yeah. Thank you. That's really sweet. Um, It was such a pleasure chatting to Emily. What an amazing and truly passionate woman. The Seedball team are doing amazing things, so definitely go and support their journey at seed underscore ball. I cannot wait to see their wildflower field of dreams becoming a reality one day soon. So best of luck to the Seedball team. 
If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. In the meantime, I would love to hear any of your questions and stories on Instagram at Diary of a Lady Gardener or via email diaryofaladygardener at gmail.com. That's all from me this week. Happy growing! Mm-hmm.